Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And uh, this is the H&J Daily with some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. And uh, what do we like today, Andy? Well, we uh, started the show with one of our chats. I enjoyed that. And then the cricketer Benny Howe has been very entertaining on Twitter. He came on and had a chat with us. Uh, Golfer Ian Poulter with his amazing sale, isn't it, of his his goods. Indeed. Uh, We had a road trip uh, to Russia. Striker, uh, Steve Bruce continued. Martin Kellner, uh, the birthday spread. I enjoyed that. The listener was good fun as well. It was quite exciting. Stuart Uh, Vale And Mike Ward. We're making it a nice long one today because it's going to last till Monday. So Mike Ward with his weekend pick of TV as well. That's it. Here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon, Paul. And I start with this news about uh, Freddie Flintoff, our colleague here on Talksport. Oh yeah. Uh, Cricket ace of Andrew Freddie Flintoff reckons Stonehenge could be a landing pad for UFOs. Oh. Uh, the former cricket hero uh, believes the mystery, mysterious footage released by the US Department of Defense this week was of alien ships. He said, There's an identical pattern, I won't do the voice, there was an identical pattern of Stonehenge on the moon, like they're traveling between the two of them. It might be the UFOs. Stonehenge, I'd say unhinged, more likely. <laughs> Well, Ed, Honestly, Fred, we know Freddie had his, he has his thoughts on he's he's a he's a bit of a, he's flat, a flat earther, earther as well. He has he has uh, <laughs> uh, differing views on. Maybe he'll, t- he'll take Ali through that. Maybe uh, maybe he'll be suggesting that Ali's an alien soon. <laughs> what about flat earther kit? But anyway, that's another natural nice together. Lovely contemporary <laughs> reference there for the kids. <laughs> Fantastic. Talking of contemporary restaurants, uh, restaurants, uh, <laughs> contemporary restaurants. You want to talk? You, you, oh, Andy, look, we've got three hours. Gone. If you want to talk about contemporary <laughs> restaurants, mate, you crack on. Contemporary references. Uh, this letter from uh, Nigel A. Brassard or Nigel Abrasad, uh, the sports historian. That's his oh. name, Nigel. Then French R, A with an apostrophe, Brassard. Okay. He says, "Sir," he writes to the Times. You can tell he's not writing to the Star, sir. I nominate William Renshaw as the greatest Wimbledon gentleman singles champion. Renshaw won seven championships, was only bettered by Roger Federer. He's the only player to win six consecutive t- titles from 1881 to 1886. I'll give you a rest, mate. He's not going to be better than Federer. He probably played in a suit. <laughs> you know what I mean? He probably did play in a really thick woolly jumper. With a, yeah, I mean, no, they played harder. in a shirt and tie and a jacket. Ridiculous. Maybe it was like, harder. How could he be in the... <laughs> on the EA tennis, Andy, can you play? Yeah. What's that fella's name who, who, who Mr. Brassard uh, was talking about? William, William Brassard. Renshaw. 
E. Brassard. He's not, it's not a pseudonym for Alan Brazil, is it? He's posh no. alternative. He's, he's uh, William Renshaw. Oh, OK. William Renshaw on the old FIFA tennis. Uh, where you can have... <laughs> It'd be marvellous. Oh, not FIFA tennis. It's EA tremendous. tennis. You know what I mean. FIFA yeah. tennis. Why not? What the hell's that? <laughs> anyway, I've got something for and, you, Andy. I've oh, yeah. OK, you. lovely, yeah. Um, in the city of Lund in Sweden, they found mm. a, a, an intriguing way to stop social gatherings. This weekend is the Valpurgis night, and it's a big gathering. Up to 30,000 people can sort of turn up in one of the big parks there, and they don't want it to happen. So rather than kind of having closing the gates or putting the police on alert, they have a spread chicken manure all over the park. Oh, you glitched on me there. Yeah, they have a what, sorry? Chicken manure. <laughs> really? All <laughs> over the park, which is to stop the oh, 30,000 people. Well, so if you're in the chicken a, manure business, <laughs> get, yourself, who is, get yourself over to Lund. So when you go to football, when it all comes back, you've got to go with a sack of manure and sort of surround yourself with it so no yeah. one sits next to you. Yeah. I've seen Sounds a few like sacks idea. of manure at the football over the years, <laughs> haven't you? <laughs> now, a lot of people have celebrated their birthdays in the lockdown, mm. and it's, it's blooming difficult. They're doing Zoom parties, some drive-by. You've seen kids standing in their drivers, their yeah. friends drive-by. Well, it's my son's birthday this weekend. Oh, and, yeah, I wanted to get him a present. So I thought, well, you know, not getting clothes. I thought, he's stuck indoors like all of us. I'll get him, I'll get him a Subutio set. Mm. So I thought, I'll tell you what, I'll get him. But I won't just get him the set. I'll do the, it says, you know, normally people buy these three together. So you get the set, the Subutio. That's the pitch, two teams. Then you get an extra box of balls. That was an extra thing. And then I thought, I'll get him the perimeter advertising. I might go for it, you know, like, so it'd be fantastic. So I get a notification from Amazon today saying, uh, yes, it's on its way. Yeah, which bit? The perimeter advertising. <laughs> it's great, <laughs> It's not together. So this thing's going to arrive at his house. And he, oh yeah, what a great present, Dad. Some Lovely. perimeter advertising that I never needed. He can put him around the outside of his, his house, though, can't he? Just out around the living room. That'll look nice. <laughs> it's only a little one. It's a box. Yeah. You know, it comes in a box. Ridiculous. Anyway, you, I hope it'll all arrive at some point. That's not a bad idea, point. that, Andy. Influencers. I mean, you know, we, we're right down with the kids. But if you're, a, if you're an influencer... You could, and your your house is actually envisioned. You could actually sell perimeter advertising. Could you? <laughs> That's a good the idea. Good people at Raynham Steel or, or Gazprom, and uh, they could have Gazprom a outside Zoe Zuck's house. Yeah, Zoella's house. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, nice idea. It works okay, for we'll, me. We'll put that to. This was an unusual piece of honesty from a footballer, from Connor Hurahan, Horahane, Horahan, Hurahan, yeah. depending on how you want to pronounce his name. Is that Valdunican you're doing, Arthur, your Earth <laughs> There was Hurahan so. and Hurahan and Horahan. You're doing that, are you? <laughs> yeah. I did, there was one game that he played in. I think he got five different pronunciations of his name. Just anyway, call that's him by Connor. the by. Connor, he yeah. says, uh, he's talking about uh, Jack Grealish. He said, he's taken his game to a new level and he's taken the Premier League by storm. If I'm being brutally honest, Jack's too good for our team at Villa. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> That's no idea, is it, really? Yeah. Still got nine games to go, Connor. You know, He'll be getting don't, a phone call from the now. gaffer. Won't he, uh, I think he might, Hello, yeah. Connor, it's Dean. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to go yeah, exactly. down well. Um, <laughs> Andy, if you uh, opened a bag of uh, McCain's oven chips... Andy, at any point yes. in your life, and you saw <laughs> one have. that was, and one of the chips came out seven inches long. Would you? I'd be a, delighted. <laughs> just yeah. cook it and don't give it a second thought. B, maybe say to your partner or your kids, <laughs> "Yeah, blimey, that's a long chip, isn't it?" And then eat it. <laughs> C, rush to the national newspapers, <laughs> uh, at which they will then dedicate a whole page to your seven-inch <laughs> chip. Um, which is uh, what our good it? friends at The Sun did today. Practically a whole page on this bloke's 
seven-inch chip. Uh, he it's a actually, fair old chip, though, isn't no, it? It's a fun, no, it's a fair old chip, but, you know, just eat it, mate. Not everything should get in the papers. Um, or, indeed, on national radio, so I suppose I'm proving his point. But you are, you've done very he, well. He then, basically, to top it all, having gone to the papers, he then contacted the Guinness Book of Records to find out if it was the world's longest chip. And um, <laughs> surprisingly, they said they didn't yes. really have a record for one that came out of a packet. No, not really. And they probably said, "Have you got anything better to do, mate?" And he said, well, "Actually, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. <laughs> At the moment, I really haven't got anything better to do." But that is true. Go and check it out. Seven-inch, uh, seven-inch chip. It's a, it, McCain's came on and talked about it as you'd expect them to do, a spokesman from from them. But yeah. they didn't sort of say how it happened. I mean, I suppose it's some sort of accident, really. I mean, they might, you'd imagine there's sort of the, the machine that cuts that. I'm thinking far too much about it. The we've done more on this. We've done more on this than we have transfer stories. I mean, we did more on this than Timo Werner going to Liverpool. I mean, the bloke is saying, oh, yeah, you poo-pooed it, but it's got five minutes out of your show, isn't it? Well, that's very true. You can't, you can't blame Do you want this Daily Star fact of the day before we nip off? Yes, please. Yeah. Here it is. Mm. Sea otters, I never knew this. Sea otters have a favourite rock that they store in an underarm pocket. They use it to crack open shellfish and other food. Sea so otters, did you say? Sea otters, yes, yeah, sea otters. They have so a favourite rock that they keep in their pocket. Yeah, an underarm pocket. Who knew they had an underarm pocket? And they get it out, and so, so, so say there's a lobster comes along, and they think, oh, I quite fancy a lobster. Shall yeah. I have it Thermidor? Or how shall I have it cooked? Yeah. I've no I'll idea. Probably have it raw. <laughs> raw, probably. Probably have it raw. <laughs> get, out the, get out the rock out of his pocket, mm-hmm. knock it over the head. There you go. Good so fact. Is that a rock in your pocket? Are you pleased to see me? You can say that to a sea otter, can you? You can. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to bring you a theme a day. And Andy, uh, you f- you favoured this one today. What's the one you liked today? Can you remember? Well, I, yes, it was the crown green bowling. It was, this was a thing that was on during, I'd say, probably the 80s, yeah. 70s or 80s. It was a very popular. It's that type of bowling they have up north, which is not on a flat surface, as, oh, as yeah. suggested. The ball, there's a crown to it. And Harry Rigsby was there. Run on. Run on. Good Ooh, wood. A great commentator. Good wood. Yeah, I've, I've been to watch <laughs> yeah. it a few times with my mates up, here, up near Liverpool. So, yeah. It's the fun. Waterloo Hotel or something, or something in Blackpool. Can't remember. Can't something remember. Like anyway, that. should we have That's the music? Mecca. Here it is. Yeah, Aaron Lewis up shortly. Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Many of the cricketers we've been finding have been uh, quite inventive um, and entertaining on social media in lockdown. We spoke to Chris Nash, didn't we? Ricky Clark we spoke to as well recently. Mm. And uh, Benny Howe's been posting some good stuff, keeping the family busy in his training sessions, including the dog of the Gloucestershire Bowl. He joins us now. Good afternoon, Benny. <laughs> good afternoon, guys. How you doing? Yeah, we're enjoying the videos. Um, <laughs> your lad and, and the dog and everybody are getting involved in, in training. Yeah, he's actually doing quite a good job for my fielding practice, to be honest. He's, um, he, he loves, he's a lefty and he's, he whacks the ball pretty hard, so he uh, keeps me on my toes. I gather you've been also practicing your knuckleball, working on your skills, which is always a good thing to do, I think. Mm. Oh, no, well, that's my pride and joy, the knuckleball. Um, and there's a lot of dog walking at the minute, so 
anything to try and fool the dog is um, oh, it's very satisfying when I do because she normally catches everything. So that's how you do it. You kind of if the dog can't read it, you know it's a good one. <laughs> Exactly. She normally catches most of them, so when I get a good one, uh, it's, it's enjoyable. <laughs> That's to <do>. brilliant. <laughs> Where, well, I was reading a piece you did uh, in the Telegraph <clears throat> about that. Actually, it's a, it's it's a sort of an American. It's a baseball thing, isn't it? You're fascinated yeah. by it. it. Was a delivery. Yeah. So I went in, in 2012. I went to watch my first baseball game in Miami. Uh, the Marlins played the Phillies. Um, and it was actually it was a dead game because they weren't they, they didn't make the playoffs. But I became fascinated by um, the pitcher specifically and, and the different groups he uses to try and sort of stop the batter from or the hitter from hitting you know home runs and that's what what I thought was uh, you know the main aim of the game but I became fascinated by that so yeah I took the knuckleball from that and tried to incorporate it into cricket and, and and luckily you know that sort of balls helped me out a lot you know in the last few years. I'm with uh, the cricket writer and uh, talk sport correspondent, Jared Kimber. He's a big fan of yours, Benny, and yeah. I agree with him. I love watching you bowl 2020, and he's advocating that you you should be in the T20 World Cup squad, and I presume that's one of your ambitions. And, yeah, maybe playing for Gloucester is not always easy to shine, but uh, it'll be interesting to see if the, spe- if the selectors do have a look at you. Well, I hope so, yeah. I mean, obviously, to get into the England side, um, what obviously once we're back playing would be amazing, but they're, they're an incredible one-day side and 2020 side, so it'd be, it'd be a tough job. But I believe I'm good enough, and hopefully if we get some cricket in before the World Cup, then I, I can put my name in the hat. How, how much of a blow has it been? Because you were selected uh, for the 100, and obviously financially it's a blow, but I'm, I'm sure just generally you were looking forward to being part of something. Uh, the kind of inaugural season of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. Obviously, you know, it goes without said. That obviously, the health is is the most important thing. But yeah, in terms of playing cricket, I I, I was injured. I, I injured my hamstring. I tore, tore my hamstring off the bone in a game um, last season in, in in sorry not in September in in August. So I've been out mm. for quite a while now. So so I'm, obviously we're going to be out for a bit longer. So. I'm desperate to get back out there, and especially with 100 now not, not being there, that was going to be a big sort of platform to push my name in, in, in for that for England. But it is what it is. You know, we can't do anything about it. We're all in the same boat. Um, just got to get through it. When you first came on the scene and, you know, you, you sort of amble up to the wickets, you know, it looks fairly <laughs> innocuous, but no one can get you off the square. Were people sort of surprised by it and sort of almost annoyed by it? I think, I've got to be able to hit this bloke, surely. He's not he's hardly bowling quickly. But they just can't, can they? There's something about your bowling that really does flummox people. <laughs> yeah, well, I basically, I have a spinner's field, so you might as well call me a spinner who runs in from a sort of longer run-up, I guess. Because <laughs> I bowl mostly slow balls anyway. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess... After you know the first year or two, they probably started to realise actually I'm probably a little bit more than a medium pacer, which um, which has been great. And obviously, watching that baseball game and then, and then literally rigorously learning and practicing different sort of slower balls and, and stuff has really helped me in that regard. I noticed as well, Benny. You tweeted out a picture a couple of weeks back saying "Great day for cricket," and it was a beautiful sunny day. And that was must have been another frustration for all county cricketers. Oh yeah. That normally the start of the season is freezing cold, it's pouring with rain, and we had this great <laughs> April, didn't we? <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean, the lockdown would have been harder, obviously, if it was um, raining. But at the same time, when you see it sunny, you want to go out and play cricket. So it's sort of like. Oh no! Why? Why is it sunny? Sort of thing. So, I mean, what can you do? It's it's one of those things. I mean, it's such a strange time at the minute. But yeah, it is frustrating uh, not to be out there. That's for sure. 
I noticed in your on your you videos been, as well oh your son coming off of a very long run up. You say you <laughs> don't, but uh, he's, he's like Sarfras. He's coming. He's basically coming in from the boundary ropes. Coming in from so he's got a very different technique. I think. He doesn't really abide by the no ball rules. That's for sure. It comes right up to you. Overstep. <laughs> well, he watches me um, practice it. I bowling walkthroughs into the net. I have a net in the back garden, and sometimes I go in the park and bowl at a tree. So I I always cover the ball up and um, play around with the ball. So I I work on one of my one of my deliveries, and he sort of he just watches everything I do and copies. Um, so I'm not really sure where he got the long run up from, but. <laughs> He sort of does uh, covers his hand and, and moves it around, so it's it's, it's awesome to see. I, I, yeah, that's the one benefit from being in lockdown is that I'm not not playing games, travelling. I actually get to spend time with him, and yeah. I guess um, yes. yeah, that's been great. He hasn't been watching old uh, videos of Mike Proctor steaming in at Gloucester, probably not. The uh, your your Twitter recently. He was amazing. So you've been watching some bowler as well. Sorry, say that again. So you've been watching some as well, you say. You've been watching Mike Proctor, have you? Yeah, yeah Gloucestershire have been doing this sort of polls of like the greatest um, stars at, at Gloucestershire, and they do put out videos. So they put one of, of Mike Proctor um, on their Twitter, I think it was, or someone did, and I watched it, and I watched him clean up, got four wickets and an over or something, one of the... Yeah, and he looked pretty, pretty devastating. He was. He had an odd start. He used to bowl off the wrong foot. Was completely, you think he'd fall over. It was completely confusing. I, about, I used to like David Shepherd when I was a youngster and I'd go and watch county cricket. David Shepherd always fascinated. It was in the days that you could be about 25 stone and still play county cricket. Obviously, now you need to be slightly fitter. But uh, the other thing I've noticed... In your uh, Twitter account, you've got a uh, you've got a goal net and uh, in your garden, and the dog scores a brilliant header. You've pinpoint cross, even better header, one nil. I mean, that was a fine effort by the dog. I, she just any any ball I get out, she'll want to play with it. So as soon as I get the football out, you know that's what she wants to do. So I decided to have a little fun and see if she can knob one in. And actually, it was a pretty good header from her. So she's got it all. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Are you a football fan? Yeah, I support Everton. Uh, my dad's from, from Liverpool originally, um, grew up there, so I followed after him and went blue. Unfortunately, I guess, it, you know, I'm not sporting a better team, but that's my team. <laughs> well, they're not too, too <laughs> bad. They're on their way back. Yeah, yeah but they're not, yeah, they're, they're not too bad, but we don't really... I don't... Hello? Oh, hello. Oh, we're going to get some good yeah. stuff on Everton there. We've lost I think, him. I think we may have lost Benny. <laughs> Which, um, yeah, we didn't. It was a strange way we lost it. He, he didn't just drop off. He sort of faded away nicely. Just sort of faded, like <laughs> just like even talking about Everton upset him. <laughs> he just like couldn't bring himself to talk about Everton anymore. But uh, we'll, we'll try and just uh, wrap things up with him if we can in a few moments' time. But uh... oh, we've got a very back. good piece on uh, the yeah, hundred. Say you oh, sort of tailed off with a kind of melancholy as you were discussing Everton there, uh, Benny. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it was great. <laughs> No, um, even my boy's got a, a full-on Everton kit. So, oh, yeah, he, unfortunately for him, he's, he's going to have to follow his dad. We've not said how old he is yet because we've been. T- I mean, how, we, we, we're questioning in the length of his run-up and etc. Tell us how old he is. He's very young, isn't he? He is actually going to turn two next week, seventh yeah. of May. Oh, we're asking oh, a lot. Sweet. It's not like he's fifteen <laughs> or something. We're asking a lot of him, really, aren't we? At two. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, he's, he's got a lot to learn. Yeah. So, so just finally, you, know, you never know. By the time he's really interested, Everton could be challenging for the title. You never they could know. Be, Sorry, yeah, they could be. They could be could dominating. Be, could be. Uh, dominating European football. <laughs> but they, yeah, they did in the eighties. Of course, they did. Yeah. Um, finally, yeah, yeah, yeah. you say you're on your way back, and you sort of 
Uh, are you more or less 100% fit now or, or not? Not quite yet, no. It's been a sort of long road of recovery, really. I'm, I, I thought I'd be back by January, but it sort of slowed up a little bit. So there's a lot of sort of rehab, makeshift sort of rehab session I've got to do and and get back going. So um, hopefully I'll be back by the time, well, if we're, if we're going to be back playing, hopefully I'll be back by then for sure. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Good afternoon, Paul Hawksby and Andy Jacobs uh, here on TalkSport, and that is a bit of a reworking of uh, the theme music, which Andy found a little bit earlier on, didn't you? I did. It's uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was just looking for themes of the day, and I thought, I wonder what uh, if Bo Junior, who did the original version of this, is on Spotify. And Bo Junior isn't on Spotify, but this version of Coffee Pot, which is the tune by Sam Henry. I quite like it. It's quite jazzy, isn't it? Yeah. It's quite so do I. I, I think it's nice as well. So, uh, excellent. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, we may just give that a reprise good. another time. So, anyway, we move on then, and we're going to talk golf, because uh, news uh, emerged earlier this week that Ian Poulter was having uh, a sell-off of uh, quite a lot of memorabilia. Some of it match-worn from uh, big games and tournaments. Some of it unworn, things he never got around to. All the money's going to a very good cause. Uh, and uh, you can get involved. Uh, Ian joins us now to tell us more. Good afternoon, Ian. Good afternoon. How are we doing, guys? Yeah, we're good. We're not too oh, bad. Oh, good. Thanks, Ian. I've seen some pictures of, of what good. you've got, and as Andy said, a bit. this is a nice old reference. Imelda Marcos, all those shoes laid out there. 
there's only one or two pairs. Come on, it's um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice, colourful array. <laughs> it does look good. You've got two hundred and thirty two hundred and thirty pairs of golf shoes that are going to be up for sale. Is that right? Yeah, what we've done is I've gone back uh, and opened up a few boxes. Didn't realise I had quite as many as I did. Um, um, hey there, Ian. Dating back yeah. all the way to like 2000, 2007, 2008, all the way up to current day. So what I've got is shoes that I won in Singapore, Hong Kong, Australia, WGC in um, in the desert in Arizona, shoes I've worn in majors, um, some shoes from Celtic Manor, and accompanied with that, you know, kind of 75 tour garments, probably 200 uh, gloves, footjoy gloves, and uh, a load of tournament hats. So to be able to sit down, archive them, and actually sign them and put them up to be able to sell them off and uh, donate to the COVID-19 fund uh, will, be a, will be a nice thing to be able to do. Now, the, the way you've done it is interesting as well, Ian, because rather than making it sort of an auction, that, that would have been kind of one route of doing it, a sort of traditional one, or maybe kind of making it a raffle, but you've kind of graded them, haven't you, in sort of different price ranges? Well, I want, and, and everyone's done, I think, first and foremost, um, you know, huge, huge congrats to everyone that's you know doing their bit to help and i think so many people have done a wonderful job uh and there's so many ways to do it um i was toying with the idea of a raffle i was toying with the idea of just doing a straight auction but i think pricing them what i feel is reasonably fair gives everybody the opportunity to grab an item so if they're a fan if they want to contribute then they're actually going to get something back and I felt um, I felt this was this was our, our best way. These shoes, some of them are fabulous. I mean, are they presumably they're handmade for you because they're such unusual styles and colours and patterns. And what size are you, in case people are interested in them? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a size 11 now. Now, a lot of these shoes are old. As I said, they date back to like 2007, and, uh, 8, 9, 10, and obviously. Um, I don't want anyone to wear them. That's for display purposes only because uh, a lot of the soles have gone very, very, very hard. And if you're going to wear them, they might crack. So um, this is, you know, this is display only. In terms of the leathers and the colours, you know, I've had a great relationship with Footjoy for so long that I used to send them the colours of my outfits in advance the season before. They would then start colour matching the leathers to go with the outfits and that's why there's such an array of um, weird and wonderful colours. Now the pricing, what about if, pe- your, people thinking, if people are thinking it's out of my price range, uh, I thought it might be worth telling them, you look, gloves from 30, 50 pounds and 100 pounds different uh, levels, uh, shoes 100 pounds, 150, 200 so you know, if you are going to make a contribution, as you say, this is a way of getting something tangible uh, from that, and I'd say, you know, for a bit of sporting memorabilia, that's that's pretty reasonable. Yeah, I, I feel they've been priced. I, th- I think everything's been priced there. Uh, you know, all of the gloves are 30, uh, 30 pounds, um, and we, you know, we just select. We'll select uh, a glove and obviously send it. All of the shirts uh, and the outer garments are going to be 100 pounds. The hats or visors. 
uh, again, are 50 pounds. And again, they'll be selected at random and, and, and sent. And then there's three tiers of shoes. So, you know, for instance, a plain shoe is 100 pounds. 150 pounds will be some of the brightly colored shoes. And if I've worn a pair of shoes in a major or have won a tournament in them uh, or played in the Ryder Cup with them, then uh, they will be accompanied by a signed photograph um, to show the shoes on the given day that I wore them. And they're going to be 200 pounds. Brilliant. Oh, that's good. I personally would. I want a pair of uh, Ian Poulter trousers, though. I love the tr- uh, the Union Jack ones. Of course, the famous ones. Are they are they, are they up for grabs? Oh, I'd, I'd pay a bit for those. They're sensational. Look, it is really nice that the Duke of Bedford very kindly, after I wore those, donated uh, donated a nice, lovely sum of money to charity. And currently, they are hanging in the Poulter uh, room at Woburn Golf Club. So. Uh, they're still close to home, and they're staying, they're staying in that room. Good stuff. That's fantastic. So, where where, where can people go to uh, to buy uh, the, the stuff, uh, Ian? So they will be available uh, next Saturday uh, on ianpolter.com. Right. And um, they will be able to go in and select uh, whatever item they wish, and um, scoop up hopefully before they've all gone. So there's about uh, 700 items ish so hopefully there's enough on there if people you know if, there's, if it's in high demand hopefully there's enough time for people to go in and grab something fantastic it's great okay brilliant what a go and fantastic check it out. thing yeah uh, over in uh, what's the lockdown been like in, in Florida Ian where you are um, it's been uh, well the golf course has stayed open here in Orlando okay. and um, which has been a a good thing for members to be able to, you know, socially distance, I guess, uh, one person per cart. Um, and, you know, members have been able to still play. But I've kind of stayed away from that. I haven't... I've actually played three rounds of golf in eight weeks and I haven't really practised much at all. So I've tried to stay away um, and try and distance myself from everyone. Um, I'm asthmatic and Joshua had severe pneumonia as a as a three-year-old and a five-year-old from from the uh, house here that we had to move out of so i've tried to you know really um do the social distance thing and respect that um and obviously you know he's he's our our concern sure of course and uh you know these are the things that really matter in life but we must talk about the Ryder cup and you've always done so brilliantly there for us and uh it, i think it was nick faldo talking this morning and talking about the idea of playing the Ryder cup without fans and it wouldn't be the same would it we'd be, we'd be happy to see it but it wouldn't be the same uh it, it definitely wouldn't be the same from uh an experience um or an adrenaline rush or a um, or a fan experience, I guess. Um, and at the minute, I guess we don't know how, how it's going to play out. I mean, I think the world's changed so much in a period of eight weeks. Um, you know, if, if in eight weeks' time, all of a sudden, one of the... Um, someone comes out with a, with a vaccine, um, that's going to turn this thing on its head. Um, then who knows, right? I mean, I, I, I guess it's... We're fighting against time to see if we can, um, you know, play with fans. 
um, and what that potentially would look like. So I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful yet that, um, you know, there is an option and, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what happens, I guess, um, a little, a little bit nearer the time and see, and see. I mean, everybody, everybody in sports going to want to, want to get back to a level of enjoying sport. And from a golf perspective, um, you know, just if it's a regular tournament, we're going to want fans there as soon as we can, if it's safe. Absolutely. Well, let's hope it's not too long. Ian, best of luck with the sale. It's a great idea. And uh, stay safe over there. And uh, we'll keep an eye on things. And we'll, we'll report back on how things go after next Saturday's auction. Thanks for joining us. Wonderful. Thanks for having me on, guys. Take care. All the best. Uh, Ian Poulter there in Florida. Uh, IanPoulter.com then. And you can say, if you're going to pick up a pair of signed gloves, mm. 30 quid, make a contribution to coronavirus charities in the UK and our own NHS. I mean, that's, that's a nice thing Oh, nice no, thing it's, to it's do. a really, really fun thing to do. I'm sure people would be a big take-up of it. Yeah. It's a shame it's next Saturday, actually, in a way. We'll have to remember to remind we will. ourselves and people. Well, I'm going to go and check it out. Week. I'm going to go and check it out, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, I met uh, Ian's dad. We didn't get a chance. I met Ian's dad a little while ago. I did a gig with Ray... And with Big Alan, and he turned up in uh, Ipswich. He's a big mate of Ray's, and he's a lovely fella. So, and he's a big talk sport listener. So, he, he may well have been listening this afternoon, if that's the case. Mm, Good afternoon so. to him. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Let's head back to Russia, shall we? Uh, 2018, and I think it was our last day in St. Petersburg. And uh, let's see what happened. <laughs> Good morning, Paul. And uh, we saw Dion Dublin last week in our Moscow hotel. I forgot to tell you this, Paul. Oh, yeah. I had a chat with him. He's very, very excited. He's just landed a commission from Russian TV, Homes Under the Hammer and Sickle. Oh, that's good. I thought you'd like I that. we'd all watch that, <laughs> wouldn't we? We, we would. Oh, we can pick up some bargains over here, can't we? <laughs> you well, certainly can. Yeah. Now, finding somewhere to eat in St. Petersburg can be a little bit of a problem. Well, it is for you, mate, because you're well, a very fussy eater. Well, it is. And our favourite place last night, Tokyo City. It's was a favourite place. Went there once. <laughs> when it was decent. Went, went there once. It was full. Yeah. And and uh, so David saw a restaurant offering Czech cuisine. He said to me, do you fancy Czech cuisine? I yeah. said to him, the day I fancy Czech cuisine is the day I shuffle off this mortal coil. Well, look, that's very hard on our Czech <laughs> listeners, of which there are many. I and I've been to in Prague once. I went to a Czech restaurant. And I'm guessing, having sampled traditional Czech food, you yeah. probably wouldn't have liked it. Because um, what, a couple of the boys there, they had uh, knee. Knee. They had a knee. <laughs> knee. And then one of them said, oh, a bit gristly. I said, well, it would be. It's a knee. You're eating a knee. So I, I, don't, I think the cuts might not have been for you. Oh, no, uh, really I definitely meat meat I said to him, Good have, beer, though. Have you, absolutely. So have you ever heard people say, have you tried that new five-star Czech restaurant? Anyway, we settled on an Italian... Oh, he's not going to be very welcome <laughs> in Prague, is he? Oh, I'm not going there. We settled on an Italian trattoria. Or tr- yeah, that's right. Trattoria or trattoria? Trattoria. Trattoria, trattoria. Trattoria, Yeah. And uh, where we encountered... What a player he was. We encountered a fellow woman customer with the worst B.O. ever, which was a bit of a disaster. Well, I mean, nothing, nothing stays unsaid, does it? it? Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. But the best bit was you spotted an unattended left bag. Well, I thought they'd left it, these two. Yeah, they, they walked outside. They, they were kind of Patty and Selma, basically. Yeah, they? They were, yeah. And they'd, they, they'd left this bag on the chair and they walked out the restaurant. So I thought, you know, yeah. they'd left some stuff there. So I rushed out with this bag and they just both stand there having a tab. You know? it was, it was so B.O. You can imagine watching MacGyver on the big screen. A great excitement. 
excitement in the restaurant, though, when uh, news came through that Torquay had signed a player. Oh, yeah. Jason now, we, had to, we had to watch, we had to sit there and watch the new <laughs> signings um, YouTube show reel, didn't we? It was fantastic. He, he went straight on to YouTube. Remind us of his name, John. What's his yeah, name? Yeah, Jason... Jason Banton. Yeah, Jason Classic Banton. That's what the, yeah. the clips... It was good to be able to hear John there because his headphones... Oh, you didn't, we didn't hear oh, him. Oh, we didn't hear, hear him. Okay. But he's basically wearing a headphones to speak to us. But each day they've got more and more gaffer. In fact, they're all yeah, gaffer tape. They are basically all gaffer tape <laughs> now. Yeah, it's quite rock and roll, that, the way it's held together. He, that's an affectation of his, I think. <laughs> now, do you remember we, uh, just on the eve of the... Or the afternoon of the England game, hmm. we visited, for good luck, the Chiswick Pizzic statue. That's the little, right, the small bird under a bridge that you have to throw coins on. And if the coins land on the little plinth, the bird stands on uh, it brings you good luck it's, it's a, I'd like to say it's an old thousand year old tradition here from St Petersburg but it's like about 20 years ago someone did it and <laughs> students keep nicking it they keep nicking the little birds so oh, they really? have a load of them cast ready to replace it but you'd have to be it's quite a long way down so you'd have to be dangling one of the other students <laughs> by the legs which we wouldn't advise you to do really over a bridge but uh, yeah. well anyway yesterday John our producer John Kelly came up with a brilliant idea for Arsenal fans the Keswick Pezik you have to land a ke- coin on a small statue of Sir Chips Keswick that's nice that's yeah. a really brilliant idea that's a great idea well I mean they're doing some good business they may not need that luck <laughs> And, um, oh yes, yesterday was, uh, we found ourselves once again at the Fan Fest, or yeah. Grim Fest, as I like to call yeah. it. I mean, it's, the, the, if, if you've been overseas for a tournament, you'll know that the Fan Fest at the Euros are a World Cup. It's fine when the game's on, because everybody's there having a drink, or having something to eat, watching the game, and it's all very kind of collective experience. I know Andy doesn't like that, but some people do. But it's half-time and before. It's like, oh, being, in, yeah. it's like being in the world's worst holiday camp. <laughs> bloke gets on to, that we, like, Yesterday we had uh, Russian Timmy Mallet, <laughs> oh, and he's doing countdowns and kiss cam. and uh, we had, feel like an old... But it was so loud. They turn it up twice as loud as the match. And, uh, and it's that kind of, kind of English-Russian hybrid language where they go in from one to the other. Yeah, yes, and it's the, this kind of for, enforced fun, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yesterday we had Will Smith's terrible official song oh, yeah. at 3,000 decibels, followed by uh, screaming at the audience, let's do the Iceland clap. No, let's not bother, for goodness Oi. sake. Yeah, <laughs> and no, uh, one really, no one really went for it. It was a bit half-hearted, but the bloke got on the drum and he was trying to get everybody going, but I thought... No, mate, really. We just, watched, we just watched 45 minutes of Uruguay boring the pants off us. I don't think we need to do no, this no. now. But what can you do? Never mind. I'm not complaining. Yeah. I'm not. Andy Jacobs' new book, I'm not complaining. We were looking for somewhere to eat on TripAdvisor yesterday. I think John found a place that you must try the amazing heroin and potato pancakes. No. We said, what? What was that? Herring. Oh, herring, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I've misheard. Yeah, I know, we both it. misheard. Yeah, that's right. Now, I make notes all the time, as you can imagine. Yeah, which is so the random thoughts of Andy Jacobs on Sometimes, the next day, I go to my notes, and for some reason, I've got in my notes about the Hermitage Museum. What have you the, the curators were Steve Nickel and Steve Mahon. I don't know what happened. Steve Ma- Steve McMahon. I Steve McMahon, yes. No, it was the idea. We just had an idea for a South Bank show, didn't we? That there'd be a special set. Today, I did Job Benson's film. We talk about the new uh, curators of the Hermitage Museum. Steve McMahon and Steve Nichol, the former Liverpool midfielders, took over last year in a surprise move. We're behind the scenes at some of the changes they've made. The amount of Liverpool scarves that have replaced. Uh, it's become Alan Bennett, hasn't it, really? Yes, really? Then we saw a pony in track. Basically, we're sitting in cabs. While this yeah. is going on, we're sitting in cabs. And that's right, all the drivers are ex-flying squad. It's all I can think. We yeah. saw a pony at... And trap at one point. Uh, we really? very, don't you remember yesterday? We, oh, that's we, right. Yeah. We decided to ring 
Lord Vesty to suggest pony and trap racing at Cheltenham over the jumps. Over the jumps. That would, that would be like when they tow caravans in stock car racing, wouldn't it? Imagine that. The car As long as the horse is all right. You know, that's okay. Crossing the road here is an interesting experience. Yeah. Very, very long timed sequences. And you can see the seconds ticking by. Yeah. So like when there's about 10 seconds to go, you think, well, I'll make a dash for it. I don't want to wait another 120 seconds. Yeah. So last night I saw the green 10 second. Th- I thought, I can get across it. I've still even, I'm a bit old, but I've still got a bit of oh, pace. Still got, yeah, over the first, it's the first 10 yards in your head. Very much so. So I sprinted across the road, but I ended up doing a Brian Ricks. My trousers came down. I don't know what happened <laughs> it was fantastic. Yeah. Must have taken you back to that day in that relay <laughs> yeah. when you couldn't get it the was. tracksuit bottoms It was on. incredible. That's right. And you were, again, I think we underestimate just how much um, basic Anglo-Saxon English is spoken here. Everybody seems yeah, oh to understand yeah. the swear words. We told you the other day uh, that the Russians are incredibly fiercely proud of their quality and breadth of swearing. And as your trousers fell down and the seconds ticked <laughs> away, you gave us a good well, old... Well, she told me, so I had to swerve. Yeah, th- uh, three, three, four young girls were crossing the road. So he had to swerve, still holding up his keks, with the seconds ticking away before he gets wiped out by the flying squad. And you exclaimed, you gave us a great old four-letter exclamation, <laughs> and they all laughed. Yeah, they did, to be so, fair. So uh, th- I'd like to think in the swearing stakes, uh, we're holding our own. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. The birthday spread, and he's got 10 birthdays. Stuart, the Port Vale fan. Good afternoon, Stuart. Good afternoon, fellas. Um, I, I don't have you on speakerphone, but I can just about hear you. Oh, OK, really. We've had this problem before. Mm, okay. uh, we'll have to see if we can t- turn us up as much as we can. Uh, yeah, I uh, could hear you, producer, really, really loud and clear, but... OK. I, I'm really right, well, give him the jokes. <laughs> give him the jokes. He can probably sell them better than Andy, to be honest. So we'll, we'll try and talk as loud as we can. So um, it's 10 birthdays, 10 gags. And we'll try and get yes. through all of them if we can in the time that's allotted. And we've got to try and guess how old all these people are. The one with the, the closest after 10 birthdays is the winner. I've not been beaten yet in the bat two or three times we've done it. So let's try again. Andy, give us the first birthday. I'll kick it off, shall I? Here's Pele. Okay. Here's Pele. It's a very happy birthday to the TV presenter and American comedian Jay Leno. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but Jay had a minor accident in the kitchen recently when he picked up a hot pan without his gloves. Yes, he was burnt Leno. That's nice. Uh, I'd say clickety-click 66 for Jay Leno. What do you think, Stuart? Well, I was going to say 65. Okay, all right. What is he, Andy? 70. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. So I four five. for one. Uh, I'm four out, and uh, Stuart's five. Okay, Stuart's going to go five. first this time. Here we go. Second birthday, Andy. Okay, it's the. Uh, I think he's an architect. I can't trust him now. Or is he a museum director? Nicholas Sarota. Right, you Nicholas Sarota. Rather badly, and if you did that for the Nicholas world, Sarota. What does he do? Yeah, I, I, I heard. I, oh, okay. I guess he's a very similar age. I'd say sixty-six. You've gone sixty-six. He's a museum director. Did you say, Andy? I think so. I can't find his name here. So is where it, is it? I, th- I think it, I normally, is it Angela Lansbury-based, your gag? I think it might yeah, be. Well, it very much is, yes. Uh, I think it was, that, well, she couldn't stand him. She wanted to murder Sarota. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was coming. Um, 63, I'm going for. Uh, yes, he is, in fact, 71. Oh, uh, oh. 71. Okay. Cash it number <laughs> four, please. <laughs> 71. Uh, Honestly, if you look, look at this bit of paper I've got with all these yeah, scribblings on it. I don't know what I'm doing. Don't show that to the police. <laughs> Stuart, exactly. what did you say? Did you say what, well, I 60? said 66, so I'm, okay. I'm now you're, 10. You're on five 10. And, five. and I said 61, didn't I? Well, six, I said 62, so I'm nine out, so that's 13. <laughs> We're all over the Keep place. broadcasting. <laughs> okay. okay. It's the famous <laughs> painter, the American painter Frank Auerbach. 
Frank oh. Auerbach. Uh, yes, I wasted 60 minutes of my life looking at his paintings. I'll never get that Auerbach. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Um, eight, I'm going to, oh, Frank Auerbach. That's difficult, isn't it? 75, I'm going to say, Stuart. What do you think? Frank Auerbach. I must say, I've never heard of him. I'm going to go 70. What is he, Andy? 89. 89. Oh, no. Okay, so 19 mm, out. That puts you unlucky. on 29. I was, so I was 14 out, so that puts me on 27. So I'm winning by two at the moment. Keep broadcasting. Okay, it's very happy birthday to the singer-songwriter who did I Can't Stand the Rain. It's a happy birthday to Anne Peebles. And uh, Anne, funny, I like Anne because she voted for us uh, in this year's Radio Awards. I've always said we're the people's choice. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's Anne one. Peebles, who wrote or performed <laughs> I Can't Stand the Rain, yeah? Uh, and yeah. she's probably knocking on a bit. I'd say she's 75. <laughs> 75 Anne uh, Peebles. Anne Peebles. Um, I'd go 72. Uh, what is she, Andy? Oh, very good, Paul. 73. Oh, okay. oh okay. So I'm on 28. No, Stuart did all right. He's on 32. So it's only still yeah. only four in it. So uh, it's, it's going me. well. Yeah, go on then. Keep going. Okay. It's a very happy birthday to uh, the Commissioner for Public Appointments from 1999 to 2005, Baroness Rennie Fritchie. Rene Fritchie, Baroness Fritchie. And I always greet her in the, uh, in the morning in the same way. Morning, Fritchie. She'll say, morning, morning everyone. <laughs> what were her years, Andy, the Baroness, did you say? The Baroness Fritchie is, uh, where are you? oh, God, uh, t- 1999 to 2005. Okay, she is um, 74, Andy. What do you think, Stu? I'd say 79. Oh, okay. Of course, she's 78. Oh, okay, that puts 33. So I was five out, which puts me on, what a game, 33. As we reach the halfway stage, it's 33 all. Come uh, on, Vale. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Okay, very happy birthday to the author, Ian Rankin. Ian Rankin. Yeah. And uh, funny if I once scaled his six-story house for a bet. Yes, I enjoyed climbing up the Rankins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you did. Uh, is, it, is it my go first? I think it, is, it was me, you, me, you, me. It's you first, yeah. It's me, yeah. Um, I'd say 68. 68, okay. I think he's uh, younger than that. Uh, I'd oh. say he's 60. I'll go 60. What is he, Andy? He's 60. He's oh, 60. is he really? Okay, no. well, blimey, yeah, spot. okay fantastic. 60. Spot on. He's me on 33, <laughs> and that puts, uh, puts you on... Uh, 41, so okay. eight to make up there. So uh, next one. Okay, it's uh, the, uh, well, he, he was on TalkSport, but of course he's more famously known for being the winner of the 2012 Tour de France, five-time Olympic gold medalist, the brilliant Sir Bradley Wiggins. Bradley Wiggins. Bradley. And I've always wanted to see Bradley start a law firm with a character from Blackadder and a famous panto dame. So the answer, Wiggins, Miggins and Biggins. That's a, lovely, beautiful. Yeah, that's a nice idea. Uh, Bradley, uh, 41, I'll go, Bradley. What do you think, Stuart? I was thinking 43. Okay, what is he, Andy? 40, 40, Ooh. 4 okay. 4 zero. So that puts me on 34 just versus 43. Nine in it, still time, though. Three more birthdays to go. Stuart goes first next. Okay, Stuart, oh, it's yeah. a very happy birthday 
to the female film director. She won the Palme d'Or for the piano in 1983. It's Jane Campion. Jane Campion. Oh, and funny enough, the family, yes, they, they came on Zoom to sing a song for me. We are the Campions. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I guess, I guess, I think you needn't have actually sung the song. I think we were all with you. <laughs> <laughs> I like to labour the point. Yeah. Uh, I'd say she's probably 78. 78? I think Jane Campion might be a bit younger than that. I think I'd go about um, 64. 66. Oh, wow. 66. Oh, Did you say 78? So 12 yeah, out. Yeah, sadly, 50, yeah. 55 plays 36. There's 19, but who knows? There could be a real doozy. Who knows? Well, I'm next. He's Yes, very, here he is, Paul. He's a very big figure in the music industry. He's the f- promoter and founder of the Mean Fiddler Pub. It's Vince Power. Oh, Vince yeah. Vince Power. And funnily enough, actually, uh, linked to one of our earlier birthdays, I, uh, when I was a minicab driver, hmm. I drove him to Anne Peebles' house. Yes, I took power to the Peebles. <laughs> oh, blimey. Vince Power must Come on. be... What would he be now? Early 70s? Uh, 72, Vince Power. What do you think, Stuart? I'm going to say... Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm floundering now. Uh, I'm going to say 70. 70. What is it, Andy? 73. 73, oh, okay, okay. so I'm 37, uh, you're, you're 58. So basically, yeah. there is, yeah, you've you've got uh, 21. So really I need a Hail Mary. A, you are going to have to go for a real Hail Mary. <laughs> you're going to have to go for an extreme age either way. Andy, what have you yeah. got? Stuart's going yeah, first. Yeah, it's unlikely time. because, unfortunately, our last birthday of the day is a friend of the show. He's very well known. It's the great Phil Tufnell, of course, cricketer and oh. TV personality and commentator oh. Phil Tufnell. And Alex Stewart and I always go to the 10-pin alley. And then one week, Alan's, Alex said to him, he asked Phil <laughs> Mess this up. Oh, sorry, I can't even. I can't even read my own writing. Come on. You just want us to guess. You're giving up with a gag. I never thought. I never thought we'd get there. Okay, I didn't craft enough. that one. I think we get to number ten. It As was bowling know, cat anyway. Bowling cat was the payoff. As you need to be nine to, within nineteen, you are going to have to go for a helmet. So how old do you think uh, Tuffers is? Still tough. No, I'd say fifty-six. Fifty-six. You've gone with. Uh, I think he's. Uh, yeah. Okay. A bit, little bit younger. I'd say he's about fifty-four. What is he, Andy? Oh, spot on, Paul. He's 54. You've been Ooh, playing wow. very well today. 37, 56 versus 60. In the end, there was 23 in it, Stuart. It was so oh. exciting. It I bowed went... to the master at this <laughs> game. <laughs> <laughs> Good man. Well, if we know Robbie Williams is a big uh, talk sport listener. He would have been cheering you on when you shared. Yeah, come, come on, Vale. Vale definitely. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Can I just say before I go, fellas, your show, as I'm sure with a lot of other regular listeners, it's part of my life, this show. And I, you know, one till four weekdays, it's just, it, I listen to nothing else. So just keep, oh. keep it up as long as you, you want to. I mean, it's, just, it's just a wonderful, wonderful show. So oh, Stuart, that, that's, that oh. is very kind of me. That's so kind. So thank you very much. You keep safe. Look after yourself in lockdown. Thanks thank for joining you. us. Thank you. too, fellas. Yeah. You too. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Good afternoon, Martin. Good afternoon, boys. You okay? Yeah, we're not too bad. Yes, good. Thanks, Martin. Good, good. Um, Well, I'm going through my uh, Chicago Bulls season at the moment. Uh, I watched the, well, I watched that the the, uh, Michael Jordan thing. But I this week I watched uh, Rodman for better or worse, the uh, Netflix documentary about uh, Dennis Rodman. Um, It's very long, isn't it? It's two and a half hours long. Wow. Which is wow. 
well, I mean, it's, it's quite a story. It's quite a story, but, you know, settling down. Didn't make me poppy around the house. You know, the missus said, um, are, you coming out, are you coming out for a walk, Martin? I said, no, I'm just sitting down to watch a two-and-a-half-hour documentary about Dennis Rodman. Um, but... But an amazing story. I mean, what what a remarkable guy. I mean, clearly, yeah. um, I'm not a trained psychologist, but if you were to, or psychiatrist, uh, you know, yeah. I'm not a therapist. I, ne I ne never bothered, never had the Latin. <laughs> but, but you, it's a Hancock line. If yes. you, um, you know, you sit down and watch that, and you see it is just, I mean, in a way, uh, it's interesting to watch because to a to a larger or smaller extent, a lot of really good sports people have the you know some of the same issues uh, as um, as Dennis Rodman had. Not to the extent that he had them, but it's um, it's an uh, amazing story. I mean, he was picked like a sort of diamond uh, out of the rough. Um, went to Southeast Oklahoma uh, State uh, University. I think it was about 1982, uh, and it was in this place called. Durant in Oklahoma and I don't want to be unkind to uh, a place in the United States but it did look like a premier uh, s-hole to be honest it was only <laughs> one of, one of, there was, it, re it really did you d d my advice is when all this is over and we're able to travel again around the world sort of give Durant in Oklahoma a bit of a miss um, the, the, okay. the best yeah do that the the um, the best understatement I've ever heard was one of his teammates there at uh, southeast Oklahoma was a guy called uh, Phil Stevens who said um, there probably were some areas in this part of Oklahoma that didn't have some really welcoming attitudes to black people really what a, what a surprise and uh, but Dennis Rodman, who had this sort of Mick uh, tendency, sort of took all that on board and said because he and uh, and Chums would use the N word, he found it perfectly acceptable that uh, around the town everybody, you know, white people did use wow. that too. Uh, bizarre character, Dennis Rodman. I don't know how familiar you are with him. But, oh yeah, um, I mean, I, ah. he is. Well, Andy, Andy's got a great story. So I've uh, been. Uh, oh, Andy, Andy tell, can tell I hear your great tell story? Us well, story. I. I, uh, I was covering the All-Star Game 1992 in Orlando and uh, I was staying in the NBA hotel and it was uh, quite an daunting thing really because at the reception all the players came in and I was signing in as you're checking in as you're, and of course they're all about I don't know anything about <laughs> basketball players when they're on the court they're all the same they're all six nine, seven foot yeah, yeah. and you don't notice how to but of course when you see them in a suit and, you, and you're five foot six like I am blimey <laughs> and uh, so anyway like Lillian uh, Pop, to go I went to the gym and uh, Dennis Rodman was working out on the next treadmill next yeah. to me. So I'm on one treadmill and Dennis is on the other. And of course, it's pretty intimidating because he was quite well, he was a lot fitter than me, let's be honest. Really? And, uh, <laughs> just, yeah. well, okay, don't do yourself down, Andy. Honestly, don't, you don't do yourself down. I'm sure you could have matched him. <laughs> well, he was, he was a better rebounder than me. He was an interesting yeah. player, of course, because actually he, was. he wasn't that good. Good. He was just he was just good at one thing, a very key thing, but that was it really. Uh, oh, can yeah. I just recommend though? Uh, I mean, I know there's a lot of basketball documentaries we've all watching the Jordan. You mentioned this one, but I was saying to Paul earlier, 
for me, the best one is the one that was on BT last night. It's a three-parter. It's called Celtic versus the Lakers, the best of enemies. And it's basically the story of the NBA. I've seen that one, yeah. Huge, it's fabulous, isn't it? And about how great, racist yeah. American society was. And, of course, Larry Bird came along. And was Larry Bird was the greatest white player ever to play the sport. You know, and of course, yeah. there was this whole society, and he, of course, he didn't care, and he had to win over the the, the black players in on the Celtics, who all said, "I, I couldn't believe a, a white guy could actually play basketball, but this guy could." And yeah. just about his rivalry with Magic Johnson and the whole thing about the Lakers and the Celtics at that time, and it's a really fascinating, right. brilliant documentary. Yeah. Also, Hoop Dreams. Hoop Dreams is brilliant as oh, well. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that was a that's very, very film. good. Uh, the other thing with yeah. Rodman as well, of course, is that um, I thought what was fascinating about him as a character that comes out in the, in the Last Dance is that um, when they were in that situation, they didn't have their full uh, squad out there. He, he kind of stepped up. He stepped up with Michael Jordan. But as yeah. uh, soon as, uh, soon as everybody uh, was back and uh, fit again, he was a kind of completely different player. He went back into his show. He, he felt like he wasn't needed uh, when Scottie yeah. Pippen was injured, of course. Indeed. Also, um, when he played for the Detroit Pistons, he was about to be about 26 years old then. Incredibly shy, incredibly introverted, you know, which you wouldn't think from uh, his later life. And uh, all these, like, because his father left when he was uh, like about three years old. Um, so he was looking for a father figure all his life. And uh, Chuck Daly, who was the coach of the Detroit Pistons, as so, I mean, just an unbelievable relationship with Dennis Rodman. And when uh, when Chuck Daly uh, got got sacked from the Detroit Pistons, you know, he just couldn't play. And um, it makes you realise, you know, that this relationship between coach and player. Uh, I mean, it's more so even you know in athletics and swimming. But you know, this relationship, just how key it is. Um, and uh, one of his teammates there at the Pistons said that you know he had no idea that it was a business. You know, he didn't see basketball as a business that people would go and people get sacked and players that he was close to uh, would go. His, his nickname was The Worm, which is yes, yeah. uh, probably not most flattering, <laughs> but it went back to when he used to play play pinball. You know, you wouldn't want to be called Andy The Worm Jacobs, would you really? <laughs> not really, no. But he will be from now on. Can I, can I just say before we move on, that yeah. within that documentary is the greatest moment I've ever seen on a basketball it's basketball court. It's also one of the greatest moments I've ever seen in sport. Larry Bird, he's outside the circle. He takes a shot. Mm. He aims it at the, the hoop. It hits the backboard, and you think, well, that's going to be rebounded by somebody near to the ball. He mm. comes flying in, <laughs> takes his own yeah. rebound. You've seen wow. this, Martin, haven't you? Yeah, he yeah. takes his own rebound, and as he's falling away, he somehow manufactures a shot that goes in. I mean, unbelievable. Wow. He was something special. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay, uh, Martin, well, we're looking out for that, the Rodman. I think people yes. have watched in the last dance they may want to do a deep dive then and go yeah, into the Rodman documentary so what definitely. else have you watched this watching. week uh, I, you know that series I really like uh, Losers which is a, a, another Netflix series mm. uh, they, you know it's the one the Talkie United programme and there was the one about the uh, boxer Michael Bent and these are people who've uh, had these moments where they've been at their lowest etc etc uh, this was about Jean Van Der Velt of course and oh, the, yeah. 70 sec- yeah, the 72nd hole always interesting to see that story told and because, of course, uh, the French, not known for their golf, you know, great French golfers. It's in the same book as great Jewish cricketers. Uh, there are... <laughs> 
<laughs> Apart from yourself, <laughs> Andy, of course. Yeah. Me and uh, oh, what's his name at Gloucester? He's a brilliant player. Oh, the skipper of Gloucester. It's gone, oh, mad. It's gone out of my head. He is Jewish, yeah. but there you go. Yes. Okay. Oh, well, there you go. Well, it's not a, not a big book. It's a thin volume, let's be honest. <laughs> it's a thin uh, volume. It is fairly thin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, great French cricketers. But, you know, that epic failure uh, in the last hole of the 1999 British Open. I love the series, by the way, because they have little animations, but they're very crude animated sequences. It's like watching Captain Pugwash, which uh, there's a there, there's one for the teenagers. <laughs> yeah, lovely. <laughs> is really, yeah. Yes. Um, but, you know, the, the fact is, what he achieved through that, I mean, obviously, it was an epic failure. I don't think you could think of a more... Because he could have just pushed it round, couldn't he? And, and he'd still have won the Open. There was no need for him to, uh, you know, to take a driver and, and slam the thing. If he pushed it round, um, he had plenty of, um, plenty of strokes to spare. But given that it was epic failure, when you think of what it did for uh, golf in France, it suddenly became, you know, it was nothing beforehand. It suddenly became a thing. And for once, you know, it, it took uh, the Tour de France uh, off the front page of the uh, of the French papers. And of course, he's, uh, he's quite a guy, Jean Van Der Velt, very, very charming, very Gallic, uh, and eventually went into, he retired from golf, I think, uh, I can't remember, but he, in early 1900s. Um, uh, 2008, he retired from. Sorry, early 2000s, not 1900s. Um, <laughs> he, well, I'll tell you what. I was looking at my notes there, and the last time uh, a French person uh, ever won a, a major was uh, Arno Massey in 1907. So wow. it was 1907 before he won the Rome Masters, uh, Jean Van der Velt. But, it, you know, he was uh, trying to, almost a century, really, he was trying to bridge that gap. But he's been coaching uh, young kids at, uh, at a golf club. And obviously the French had the uh, had that major as well. Um, but they would never have happened without Jean de Van der Velt's um, you know, his How many? failure in 1999. I've spent the last two minutes trying to come up with Jewish cricketers. It's ridiculous. Tune back into Martin. Well, I can come up with Brian Lutker, and that's terrible. Yes. Well, as I said, it is it is one of the one of the slim volumes. I was trying to think to the other. I can't think of another decent one actually uh, that wouldn't get us all taken off air. Yeah, that's right. I'm trying, think, I'm trying to think, come up with punny think, ones, but there I you think go. We'll, we'll steer clear. Just uh, yes. so, Martin, we're, we're, okay. we're out of time, sadly, but you're back shame. overnight. I take it on on, on talk radio. But, yeah, bizarrely, at the moment, I have more to talk about than ever before because you know, as I've said <laughs> lots of times, I'm here. A football match is a football match. But of course, at the moment, I, I tell you what, just one thing, if I can yeah. just mention it. There sure. was a feature in last week's Sunday Times about how much the ending of the back pass rule not just changed things sort of goalkeeper wise, but has changed the whole game of football. And I thought mm. that was that was very wise. Mm. It's probably the biggest change in rules that's affected a game, you know, more than any other change. Forget VAR, just abandoning the, the, the pass back to the goalie has affected a sport, mm. I think, more than any other. Yeah, I mean, certainly affected yeah. goalkeepers have had to learn to use their feet, of course. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, no Martin's right, though. It, 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 yeah, it makes, made the game much quicker. 
Yeah. Oh, much, did. much quicker. And because uh, we're watching lots skillful. of old football, Martin. Precisely, old yeah. We're seeing, and mm. the kids are seeing what it was yeah. like. I mean, they probably sit there thinking, he's picked that up. And then they realise, yeah. I get those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Striker. Um, I think you know the story so far. Steve Barnes, uh, the manager of Lettuce for Town, has been found standing over the body with a knife in his hand of his star striker. Um, and uh, this is a book written by Steve Bruce, the Newcastle boss, one of three books he wrote uh, back in the late 90s. Uh, Ian Danter's bringing it to life with the brilliant Steve Bruce impression. So uh, let's continue the story then, this uh, fantastic whodunit. At that time, though I did not say so, it was assumed by everyone that the person who'd wielded the knife must be a male person, but there was really no reason why it could not have been a woman or even a teenage girl. For all I knew, Pat Duffy had crossed some girl in love and she had exacted revenge. If she could not have her idol, then no one else would. There are many murders of passion, more indeed than there are of gangsters bumping each other off. In the meantime, I concluded, while there would be proper mourning at the club, it was necessary to fulfil our obligations to the Football Association. That meant, in the short term, preparing for the Friday game against Fulton. As soon as I finished reading my statement, which Bill's people had prepared well, Sir Lawrence announced that we could take a few questions. Then the noise and the shouting started. I pointed to a man in the front row. It was Harry Pickles. This was a man with whom I felt safe. Harry Pickles, Lettisford Inquirer, he said. He knew the custom of seeing who you were and which organ you represented. When you found Pat Duffy, why had you gone to the locker room? Pat doesn't drive, I said. I'd offered him a lift to the training ground. Because I couldn't find him, I went in search. I found him face down in a pool of blood. Another voice rose above the shrill cries. Ben Chambers, Northern Television. Is it true that you were going to play Pat Duffy in the first team on a regular basis and that this meant he had enemies in the club? Sir Lawrence was on his feet in an instant. The implications of that question are totally unacceptable. Pat Duffy was liked and admired by everyone in this club. Then why did somebody stab him? A voice shouted. I answered that one. The murder, if it was murder, is a matter for the police. What about that? He's such a football man, Ooh. Steve Barnes, that uh, and maybe Steve <laughs> Bruce, that despite the fact that the blood is still wet on his hands, Steve has got his <laughs> obligations to the Football Association. It's fantastic. He's yeah. such a football it's man. brilliant, isn't it? The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from TalkSport. Probably another busy weekend of TV watching for many of us, uh, but what's worth yes. actually watching? Well, the good news is Mike Ward from The Star is on hand to tell us. Good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, guys. So, uh, tonight, where should we kick off uh, tonight? It's, what do we fancy uh, this evening, Mike? We could start with the shadows at 60, which is the thing on BBC. BBC 4 Friday nights. Wow. Well Friday nights, you know, music specials. Invariably sort of music for uh, viewers of, of, of a certain age, which yes. is absolutely fine. Um, and the shadows, yeah, the shadows formed in, I think it was actually 1959. So it's a fascinating documentary, and you don't have to be sort of obsessed with Hank Marvin and the shadows to, to sort of find it interesting, because it works on two levels. First of all, it ta- tells us a story of the band, hmm. which uh, obviously got together as Cliff Richard's backing band, etc., etc. But it's also... Um, 
kind of a snapshot of how of the sort of various different stages they went through and how they each of those stages reflected the sort of fickleness of fame in particularly in the music industry because obviously you know every they were they had sort of fans screaming at them at the start you know even though they did this strange little funny leg dances that looked incredibly archaic to, to modernise. <laughs> but then, you know, by 1963, the Beatles were sort of flying high and they were sort of almost like forgotten. They were still selling records, still selling albums, but I think their last, you know, chart single was, was pretty much about the time the Beatles emerged. Uh, and then they did other things. They split up, they got back together, they went off and did such strange experimental stuff, which critics liked, but nobody else did. And then they did Eurovision, which people sort of forget about. They did Eurovision in, uh, I think it was 1985. So Sorry, 75. Um, and came second, which I can remember. I can remember watching yeah. that. I said, uh, oh, it's coming. Mm. Let me be the one. Was Let the me song. be the one. And yeah. it was back in the days where really? one band did six songs. I think it might have been on Cliff Richard's Saturday Night Show or Olivia Newton John. One band would come on, they'd do six songs, and we'd vote, you know, send yeah. a postcard to whatever and you know that's and yeah i remember and they came second to uh the the, the fabulous teaching from uh holland who sang <laughs> ding-a-dong oh ding-a-dong every hour when you grow <laughs> yeah. a flower what yeah. a song that was yeah, you, you far too good knowledge on eurovision ball <laughs> <laughs> i uh, i i think that uh, the shadow is responsible for one of the best bits of cockney rhyming slang if you're hungry i'm i'm hank marvin yeah, i'm always like that disappointingly there's no they used that in a t- that ja- that gag in tv ad a few years ago for yeah. i don't know what it for some sort of snack Food or whatever. There's no mention of it. Yeah, in right. fact, no mention of that rhyming slang at all. So whether Hank was insistent that that would not be mentioned <laughs> in, in, in the context <laughs> really? of the programme, I don't Who know. Knows? No, I'm Hank Marvin. No, I'm Hank. This is Spartacus version. So um, he was now, a good this, guitarist, though, wasn't he? Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah he was a pioneer. I mean, I, you think, I think you say there's a, a, a few of uh, Brian May, Dave yeah, Brian Gilmore May, Dave Floyd. Gilmore, they talk about his sort of style, and and Hank yeah. sort of, you know, all, you know, three members of the band, prominent members, all, all contributing to this. So we're sort of oh. catching up with them now as well. So it's not all just sort of uh, old footage. It's lots of recent stuff as well. It's, yeah. it's fascinating. It's a really good mm, watch. I'll watch that. So we're all stuck indoors. So what better than a scenic railway journey with <laughs> Bill Nye? <laughs> Yes, I, I, I find I find this program. This is this is world's most scenic railway journey. Channel Five, eight o'clock. It's the second series, so they do loads of these. I find this really strangely soothing. It's a, it's a bit like the whole slow TV concept, but done yeah. by Channel Five, which is uh, doesn't you don't really associate with that kind of thing. But yeah, it is beautifully filmed. This first episode takes us from uh, on a trip from uh, Inverness to Edinburgh. But obviously, the setting and the scenery is beautiful, and it's it's, oh, it's shot in the most fantastic way imaginable, and it's. It's largely very sort of low key because although it features interviews with people on the way, they stop off and they talk to somebody, uh, a whiskey maker, for example, and you hear you talk to some of the passengers. It's all sort of all those. It, it, it's no, it makes no big deal out of anything. You could just sort of switch the volume off and just watch the pictures. It's that kind of thing. It doesn't try and be anything more than it is. It's just beautifully filmed and very atmospheric and, and, and strangely soothing, as I say. Um, the uh, that's eight is that eight o'clock tonight. Eight that's o'clock, eight o'clock tonight. Yeah, five. yeah. Uh, just a sort of mm, general. I fancy that too. Yeah, on a general topic. Uh, Kevin Ligo, ITV's director of TV, mm. says that older actors um, yeah. may not may find it more difficult to come back to work if they're in soaps or in any kind of TV shows or just to work in dramas or whatever. Yeah, for some time. So bang goes that last of the summer wine reboot. But yeah. it's, it, it, that's what it, for the three of us, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's interesting, isn't it? The little knock-on effects. Even they, they it make is. the point about Bill Roach in Corrie, who's eighty-eight. The idea yeah. of kind of walking back and coming back into work when you've got to observe 
social distancing and he's you know he's he's at risk isn't it so well, it's, it is i it's mean it's tight on the, the older actors the only way you could do it is have to you know i mean he plays a character who's who's um who's, who's left the street or leaving the street anyway so you sort of think well will they shoot could they find a way of shooting scenes separately that they can sort of weave into the actual program to sort of so there's still the characters are part of it but there's the, 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 the issues that soaps are going to face now because obviously you know they're having to spread thinly spread what episodes they've already got in the can over the next few yeah. weeks and months but also they're written in such a way is to sort of go out in you know vaguely topically so for instance you get to halloween and they always write halloween episodes they're going to go yeah. out in about january now aren't they you know it's, everything's going to be you know um, all over the place in terms of the timing of it so a lot of headaches there and all sorts of uh, in all sorts of ways. I mean the, the soaps couldn't exist on zoom you couldn't start shooting stuff now or just having like you know somebody in Hollyoaks having a row with someone on they could zoom try or... East End, EastEnders <laughs> casted a little bit of that didn't they on the uh, on the um, yeah. uh, the, 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 the sure charity thing I, 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 that was quite torturous Ken Barlow on Skype seems yeah. unlikely to me <laughs> also it, it hard, uh, the bill is back if you like UK play yes. or UK TV play they're bringing back the first the, the, five the, series the, all going to be available to watch yeah yeah, the classic episodes of the bill right right from the start yeah deeply uh, underrated and, and and all these classic series as well because obviously you know the, the people have got that hunger for these shows and i think it's itv4 uh these days you can now tune into classic um coronation street from about 25 years ago and classic oh. emmerdale and i don't think they show them all so you watch one episode and the next episode is probably about three weeks later and it's all very confusing but you know for a little bite of nostalgia it's uh, it's worth it uh, a little bit of nostalgia here. Um, we're doomed. The Dad's Army story, you said, yeah. tomorrow evening, 6 o'clock, mm. BBC Two. Yeah, this is a repeat, but it's very, very good. It's um, the story of how um, Jimmy Perry and Dad, uh, David Croft, who obviously created Dad's Army, came up with the idea, um, got it on, on air eventually. Because the BBC were, bearing in mind this was sort of mid-60s, so the war mm. was only sort of just over 20 years yeah, over. And... Yeah. Uh, the idea of a, of a sitcom about the war didn't necessarily go down too well. The people thought, well, this is a bit too soon, you know, is it going to be considered bad taste? So that was quite a struggle. But this story is, is beautifully told and, and done in a very sort of funny, tongue-in-cheek way. So you've got Paul Ritter and Richard Dormer playing the writers, but you've got uh, John Sessions as Arthur Lowe in this. Um, Shane Rich is in it as well, Keith Allen, Kevin Bishop, Mark Heap. So it's a great cast, and it's yeah. it's it's... it's yeah, again, it's a lovely, uh, lovely way of telling the story of something. Excellent. Part of our, our culture. Uh, and real nostalgia, mm. not uh, a sitcom. Uh, this looks very... I love programmes like this. Yeah, yeah. Channel yeah. I like these sort of shows, yeah. V Day, The Lost Films. It's kind of old cine movies from uh, yes. kind of reportage stuff. It sounds really good. Absolutely, yeah. Channel 5, 8.30, Saturday night. And uh, something not entirely dissimilar on Sunday on Channel 4 at 8 o'clock. Uh, and obviously this is going to be the start of an awful lot of V Day uh, 75th anniversary um, bits and pieces. But yes, this is this is old cine films as they were at the time that people filmed. You know, ordinary people with whatever facilities they had at the time. Yeah. Um, and obviously you know, it just looks extraordinary. It just, just, just watching the tiny tiny detail the people sort of celebrating having street parties going about their you know, their business and you know and because it's on that fuzzy old film it just it just you know has that nostalgic glow to it as well so and i think also and and an awful lot of people over the over the course of the next few days will be saying the obvious i guess point about the e-day which is you know it has a certain poignancy now as people sort of celebrating uh, coming out of something hideous and you know, holding out a sort of a, you know, hope for the future as it yeah. were uh, Meanwhile hmm, we, we talked to the other day there were more people applying to go on Love Island than ever before but the, yeah. the people behind it are getting a bit concerned they can make it they've been kicking ideas around, one which included 
uh, because of travel restrictions, making it in Cornwall, yes. Love Island in Cornwall. They don't want anybody in Cornwall either, do they? That's the no, last thing the Cornish want. They don't, they don't even want me going down there, and I'm normally there about three times a year. I don't think I even... I, I, where, where on a chilly beach? I do like the idea of people who just don't look like Love Island. You know, pe- people in their sort of 50s and 60s who are you yeah. know, walking around in the same gear as people on Love Island would do on a really, really cold North Cornwall <laughs> beach with the waves yeah. crashing in and the rain <laughs> lashing down. <laughs> That'll separate the men for the boys, won't it? It certainly will. Absolutely. Yeah, the Cornish weather. Uh, also, we... uh, I was going to well, move on to a show that a lot of people have been talking about but may not have seen yet uh, because uh, everybody has been uh, watching old Joe Exotic, haven't they, yeah. on, uh, on Netflix. And uh, it emerged that uh, in Tiger King and Louis Theroux had made a show with him uh, about nine years ago. Yes. The BBC Two is showing it on... On Sunday night. 2011, yeah. Louis Theroux, America's Most Dangerous Pets. And yeah, he, he does get to meet and hang out with Joe. And he's, there's, a, there's a great scene where he goes into a, a, a cage with a, with, a, with a baby tiger. Baby seems the wrong word, but whatever. Is it cub? It is cub, isn't it? Yeah, yes. that's it. Yeah. Um, baby tiger. <laughs> Idiot. Um, but was is it inside the cage with with a with a bear and Louis Louis is brilliant obviously sort of in that understated way he says, why is this tiger in the, you know in in the cage with a bear and then he sort of try obviously Joe is sort of trying to make out it's a sort of perfectly natural thing um, and then he says something very very weird actually it's slightly offensive so I'm not going to repeat it on air but he says something very very weird when Joe when Louis asks him whether he thinks it's acceptable that a, a tiger that normally would roam hundreds of miles is in such a constrained setting and he makes a, some some sort of comparison which is both mad and, and, and sort of strangely bad taste but yes it's, it's a fascinating encounter and obviously as things turned out you're not the first for uh, for Joe in terms of his um, his TV profile The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. There we are. That was uh, this afternoon's show. And uh, we'll return to Andy's wife just uh, demolishing the kitchen. <laughs> Broke but, uh, Yeah, we'll return on Monday from one. Um, keep safe. Thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you next week. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.